Hello, EB Online Church family. Wherever you may be, hey, thanks so much for making us part of your day. Over the last eight weeks, we have opened up our Bibles to the Gallery of Acts, and we have watched as Luke painted a picture of first century worshipers. He's not looking at intimate details. He's only dealing in the broad strokes, focusing our attention on a small group of Jesus followers who are asking, well, now what do we do? You see, something really big had just happened in their lives, and Luke wants us to step back and not miss the forest for all the trees. He is summarizing the actions of worshipers who, in large and small groups, on Sundays, Mondays, and, and all the days, survived by devoting themselves to a shared spiritual experience and a shared spiritual community. Now, it's that lack of shared experience and community that has impacted us so much over the last five months. The distance and isolation brought on by the COVID pandemic has left many of us lonely. We feel anxious, angry, depressed, and a lot of us are just plain confused. So in the midst of our uncertainty, we have returned to the writings of an old friend to find comfort and assurance. The picture that Luke paints in Acts of, of those early believers, well, it served to remind us of what to do when, well, when we don't know what to do. So over the last eight weeks, our church community has well, we've prayed stubbornly and we've sought the guidance of God's Spirit. We've been reminded that God is for us and that He is still present right now in our lives. And that even when we stumble and fall, hey, there's always a second chance. We've also discovered that we have a lot in common with the people in Acts chapter 2. We share the same baptism, the same Spirit, the same devotion to God, the same devotion to one another. And if we didn't realize it before, we are now beginning to understand that we cannot make this journey on our own. You know, our weekly gatherings are important, but the church has always been about the community that gathers. Church is about the everyday, the everyday generosity of the community, the everyday hospitality of the community, the everyday inclusion within that community. And friends, that generosity is attractive. That hospitality is inviting. That inclusion, well, it's exciting. Hey, it's been fun. It's been a fun eight weeks of study, but... But now we have to say, now what? I mean, now what do we do as we prepare to come together again after, after being away for five months? Well, I want us to pay attention to Luke one more time. I want to make sure that we see the big picture. I mean, people are trusting in Jesus. The community is sharing life together. And all of this is pointing towards something. And so Luke is going to zero in on a moment. And I want you to be part of that story. Oftentimes we read a story and we place ourselves in the shoes of certain people in the narrative. You begin to see the story through one particular set of eyes. And it's one particular set of eyes that I want you to look through today. Though it's not primarily where you might take yourself, I think it's where God wants to lead you. Now, as we begin our study, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you leapt for joy? Can you answer that? The last time when there was something so unshakable within you that even though you were facing the pressures of school and relationships and deadlines and sickness, when was the last time you leapt for joy? Or maybe more to the point, when was the last time you leapt for joy in the presence of the Lord? Look in Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Three times a day, Jews went to pray at the temple. 9 a.m., 12 p.m., and 3 p.m. It was the normal thing to do. You go to the temple and seek God's ear. 
as we read Acts, we get the impression that, well, this is still something that the apostles and the other believers continue to do. And we might wonder why. I mean, they believe in Jesus. They have the Spirit. Why are they going to the temple? Well, I wonder if possibly it's because they, they go to connect with the people. People at the temple are seeking God. So they go and declare, hey, we have seen him. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Peter and John had someone in mind that they wanted to talk to about Jesus, a friend or a neighbor perhaps. Perhaps they were going to rely on the Spirit to, to lead them to someone, someone who is at the temple seeking God through prayer. So I don't think it's a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that we find them joining others who are seeking God. It says, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple, the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now I want you to stop right here in the text, and I want you to think about this man. Since birth, he could not walk. Since birth, he remained an infant of dependency, totally dependent on others to carry him and to care for him. It's a humbling, poverty-stricken existence. There's no medical insurance. There's no social safety net. There's no work for him. All he can do is be carried day in and day out to the beautiful gate and beg, ironically, beg God's people for help. And he's gotten used to this routine. Continually carried, day in, day out, get up, have someone carry me to the gate and beg. And he's got to get there before prayer time is over because if he can strategically place himself within the view of the people, people who are already predisposed to God, well, maybe he can get enough money for daily bread. I mean, this guy is trapped. It will never get any better for him. He has been living this empty life day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out, and there is no hope for his life. Can you see through his eyes? He sees Peter and John. And what do you expect him to ask for? Can I have some money? Something to go in my cup or my bag, this, this same container that I have been carrying around for years. What would you ask for? Peter looked straight at him, as did John, it says in verse 4. Now this is more than a mere glance. The, the word carries the idea of intensity. Peter is seeing the whites of this man's eyes. I wonder how many people walk by this man day after day and because they don't want to see him, because they don't want to help him, well, they look in the other direction. They step over him. They walk around him. Oh, they see him, mind you, but they never look into his eyes. That's what he's used to. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. The cup is out. He's ready. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now remember, Luke is a doctor, and there are times in his writings when he will use words that express his medical understanding of what is happening. And he uses a word right here in our text that gives the idea of completely restoring the man's ability to walk. I don't know what it looked like. Obviously, he was crippled in some way. Everyone knew it. But somehow muscles began to strengthen and ligaments began to heal. Bones began to straighten. And this man stands up. Can you imagine all the people? Imagine all the people who walked by and missed it. 
You know, the irony is that this event happens right in the midst of thousands of religious people hurriedly on their way to worship God. And I'm afraid that we can be so busy, so busy doing the work of God that we miss where God is working. They're averting their eyes and they're missing what is happening. I hope that they're about to see it. Look with me in verse 8. It says he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Do you realize the man is doing now two things that he had never done in his entire life? Walk and jump. I mean, how do you think that felt? Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping. What would you do? Well, one, I would follow the guy who just told me to, to stand up and walk because, well, I want more. He's trying out his new legs. He's running around in the temple. And people don't run around in the temple. People don't jump up and down in the temple. This is where the presence of God is. And God forbid that we do something to disturb the peace and the hustle and bustle of the people who are offering sacrifices and prayers. What would you do if God had changed your life? What do we do so often? <laughs> well, it's nice to walk. Let's go pray. What, what do we do? Now, this guy gets it. He's walking and jumping and praising God. What would you do if God changed your life? What do we do when God changes our life? Look at verse 9. When all the people saw him, saw him disturbing the peace, this was not some sort of artificially induced moment. This wasn't singing some song and, hey, let's clap now, all right? I mean, we have to be coaxed into joy, don't we? It's a shame. But if God has changed your life, no one is asking, no one is coaxing. In fact, I don't care. I don't care if you ask. This is just the way I am. I am joyful and I'm going to try out my legs and I'm going to carry out my spiritual jump. And I want the world to know that God has done something wonderful for me. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They knew the guy. This wasn't some charlatan. This was the guy they saw day in and day out. Month after month, year after year, this was an amazing event. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Can you see this? Not through the eyes of the people, but through the eyes of the man. A man who had never walked, never jumped. Can you see? Can you feel the genuine, sincere, heartfelt joy? Now look, I know that moments like this can be contrived, but... But can you see through his eyes? Can you see your new legs? If so, then now what? I mean, it seems to me that this is how we should look if God has changed our lives, if God has given us a new beginning. Though there were hundreds of beggars who lined the streets and gates of Jerusalem, Luke is giving us here a snapshot, a picture, a moment in time. And he is showing us what happens when the hurt and pain and unfairness of this world come in contact with the kingdom of God. And he is showing us the natural response of those who have been healed by God. So when was the last time you leapt for joy? When you didn't worry about what others thought of you or what someone might say. You see your legs and so you jump. While at school, at home, on the job, or, or heaven forbid, while at a church service. Can you see yourself 
Can you see yourself in the text begging for a few coins? And God looks at you and says, I've got so much more to give you. I've got something better for you. Few are physically handicapped. More are emotionally or psychologically handicapped. But all of us are spiritual beggars. Everyone watching today. And you can go through all the extreme makeovers that you want, but it is an empty way of life. Just going to class so you can pursue a career and perhaps get married, have a family, buy a home, get a boat, plan for retirement. Guys, it's a beggar's way of life with no hope until you find Jesus. We come to God with what we think we need and God gives us what we can't even imagine. We come to God wanting Him to fix a, a small problem over here and all the while He wants to give us new life. What do you really need? You know, you might just need to pause this message right now and give some thought to where you truly are in life. Face your insecurities and fears. Acknowledge your pride. Admit your sin. The sin that has damaged your relationships, broken your spirit, and maybe crushed your dreams. Maybe you need right now to cry out to God. Scripture promises that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So go ahead. I'll wait. Pause this video and spend some time just being honest with God. You're a beggar. Be honest with Him about what you really need. Okay. So why don't we start to wrap things up? While the beggar is jumping up and down, the attention is not only on him, but on Peter and John. They were responsible, it seemed, for all the uproar, and it was exactly as God had planned. Look with me in, in verse 11. It says, While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if it's by our own power or godliness that we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. And I love what he says here in verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and have known was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Peter uses this moment to deflect attention from himself and shine the light on God. He points the people to Jesus. After all, that was the purpose of all the miracles that we read about in Scripture. The miracles, the signs as they were sometimes called, were meant to be a launching pad to move people closer to God. It was a look, now listen moment. Understand miracles, well, they do not compel people to believe they only invite. Thousands of people would witness Jesus perform miracle after miracle. And when it was all over, how many actually believed? Only a few. Miracles were not a magic wand, but they had their place. Look, now listen. Friend, you are a walking miracle. You, if you are a believer, you have been changed by God. You have been healed. The Son or the sin that had crippled you and, and decimated your life, your relationships, decimated your soul, it's been removed. You have, you have new legs. So what do you do? How do you respond? But when was the last time you leapt for joy? 
It's an important question because the joy of a changed life will provide you with the opportunity to talk about Jesus. Peter took this moment right here, this moment of unbridled joy and used it to offer the people something even better than new legs. He spoke to them about Jesus, about the wiping away of sin, about a refreshing that comes from God. Well, what's better than new legs? Well, how about a clean soul? How about a fresh start? How about a new beginning? I mean, you think this guy's jumping for joy? Just wait until you experience a new life with God. That was Peter's message. The joy of your changed life will provide you with opportunities to talk about Jesus. So when was the last time someone saw you leap for joy and then ask why? Sometimes I think about how we evaluate the success of our, of our influence as a church. Is it efficiency or is it effectiveness? Efficiency is doing things right. So we encourage people to pray right and sing right and, and serve right. But how many of us do things right, but our lives don't change? Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no joy because we see no change. No need for God. No desire to be whole. Efficiency or effectiveness. Efficiency is doing things right. Effectiveness is doing the right things. You see, we can go to the temple and we can pray three times a day. We can go buy the Christianity book, but I... I'm just troubled. I'm troubled if our lives are not reflecting serious, joyful life change. Pope Innocent II once had a conversation with Thomas Aquinas back in the 12th century. The Pope was counting the money that had been given to the church and he is to have said, you see Thomas, the church can no longer say, silver and gold, I have none. And Thomas supposedly responded, that's true, but neither can the church say, rise and walk. With all the focus Western civilization gives to doing efficient church ministry, are anyone's lives actually changing? They shouldn't be that hard to spot. It's the ones, the ones who see the difference. The ones who know that they have been saved from a beggar's existence. They will be the ones that are filled with joy and they will be the ones who are talking about Jesus. And the Lord will add to their number daily those who are being saved. So Christian, when was the last time you leapt for joy? See yourself. See your new legs. Live your changed life. Start jumping. Start sharing. Go out and cause a disturbance this week. And be sure to bring the joy of your changed life with you when you return to our campus next Sunday. We'll see you then.